water. If you've been with us, you know that we've been studying verse by verse through John chapter 6 last week, and we got all the way up through verse 38. And I want to kind of summarize that, that passage because we're picking up right at the tail end of it. So there was this feast in Israel called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And for a whole week, all of the Jews would go out and they would build a tent or some kind of loose structure either outside or on the, the roof of their home and they would live in it for the week. And they would do so to celebrate the fact that God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. He provided them manna from heaven, he provided them water from the rock, and he provided for them when there was nothing around them that they could live on, that they could sustain them. And so that was the celebration. And during that feast, many of the Jews would come from all over Israel into Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. It was one of the biggest feasts in the whole year for the Jews. And it was during this feast that we read in John chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and he taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How does this man know letters, having never studied? So as Jesus teaches, the people were surprised at his, at his wisdom, at his knowledge. They were surprised that he would stand up and teach because they thought he was just a normal guy. They didn't know that he was knowledgeable, let alone usually you go to school to be able to teach. And as Jesus continued to teach during the feast, many of the people began to wonder, is this Jesus the Christ? Could he be the Messiah, the anointed one whom we're waiting for? However, this upset the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees because they didn't like Jesus. They had already rejected him. And when they heard the crowds thinking, this might be the Messiah, this might be the Christ, they got upset. And in fact, the Pharisees, they sent officers to arrest Jesus. And now as we continue, the, the officers have come, but they're just listening to Jesus teach. They're not trying to arrest him yet. And we pick up now in John chapter 7, in verses 37 through 39, we read, What is living water? John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Last week, Pastor Lee explained how during this Feast of Tabernacles, the priests would go and they would take water and they'd bring it back outside of the temple before the altar and they'd pour the water out onto the ground. And it was a ritual that they would do every day, reminding them of how God had provided water for the Israelites in the wilderness, celebrating that fact. Well, Jesus' words, they played on this ritual. You see, where God satisfied the physical thirst in the wilderness, Jesus... He offers to satisfy their spiritual thirst if they would come to Him and drink. Or in other words, if they would come to Jesus and believe in Him. Jesus continues in verse 38, He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of His heart will flow rivers of living water. So believing in Jesus would not just bless those who believed with their quenching of spiritual thirst, but it was meant to flow out of believers. You see, the blessing wasn't meant just for the believers, but to flow through them to the world. God's blessings was to, were to spread through His people. And so, verse 39, it says, But this Jesus spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this verse tells us that 
the rivers of living water flowing from a believer's heart, that is referring to the Holy Spirit. But here in John 7, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus has not yet been glorified. Today's study is going to be a little different than usual. Usually we cover more, more verses in a single passage, but I didn't want to pass over this. Talking about the Holy Spirit being living water flowing from our hearts, I didn't want to fly through that. And so today, we're going to kind of slow down and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. What or who is the Holy Spirit? And what is our relationship with Him? And what does He have to do with us as Christians, as believers? And so in answering some of these questions, we're going to start off with that first one of, well, what is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? You see here in verse 39, Jesus compares the Holy Spirit to rivers of living water flowing from a believer's heart. But what else does Scripture tell us? We read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, right at the beginning. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in the very beginning, during the creation of the world, the Holy Spirit was there. God, the Spirit of God was there. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is God, part of the Trinity. And if you want to take notes today, here's your first point. The Holy Spirit is God. You know, we talk about the Trinity, but just to, to kind of explain it, there is only one God, but He reveals Himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all God, but they're all one, not three separate gods. And you say... That's kind of confusing. And I say, you're right, it is. But think about this with me. I'm, I'm okay with a God that is greater than I can fully comprehend and understand. Think about this. If God was one that we could fully understand the ins and outs of who God is and, and the Godhead himself, then to do so, he wouldn't be God. We'd have to either bring Him down to our level to fully understand Him or try to lift ourselves up to His level to fully understand who God is. And either way, bringing God down or lifting us up to His level, that's not biblical. And so I'm comfortable with a God that is greater and more complex than I can wrap my brain around. And so the Holy Spirit is God, part of the Trinity. And here in the very beginning we see that he, the Holy Spirit, was there at the creation of all things with God the Father and with God the Son. Don't forget in the beginning of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And so, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each part of the Trinity all there at creation and all involved in the creation of all things. Now, turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 26. If you're still in John 7, just a few pages to the right, John chapter 15, verse 26, where Jesus teaches about the Spirit. As we pick up this passage, Jesus has been talking to his disciples and he's explained how the world has rejected him, Jesus, and the world will reject them, the disciples. And Jesus continues in John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, 
whom I shall send to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. This verse tells us several things about the Holy Spirit, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to highlight a few points. If you look at that last phrase, Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, He will testify of me. And this tells us two more things about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a He, not an It. The Holy Spirit is a He, not an It. Again, kind of going back to the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. And the second point, Jesus says, He will testify of me. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. Man, get a pen or a pencil and underline that phrase in your Bibles. He will testify of me. Because to me, this is the big point. Jesus says the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will testify of me, of who I am, of what I have done, of what I will come to do again. You see, so many people, even believers, they, they claim to be acting in the Spirit, and yet their actions do not bring the focus on to Jesus. And yet Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He will testify of Me. You see, when I teach the Word, I want the focus to be on Jesus. If the focus is ever on anything else when I teach, then ignore that. That's Jared-filled teaching. And that's not going to bless us. That's not going to help us. We need Spirit-filled teaching. We need the Holy Spirit to speak and teach to us in our lives and in our hearts. Because when the Holy Spirit is moving and working, the focus, the emphasis will always be on Jesus, on God the Son. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He testifies of Jesus. Now skip down a few verses in John to chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. Jesus is still teaching his disciples and he says, But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. Jesus has been walking with you, leading you for these years. You've been a disciple, a follower of him. And no matter how bad things got, Jesus always found a way to get beyond it. When the multitudes came and they were hungry, Jesus took a single lunchbox and he fed them all. When there was a sick man or woman, a leper, a, a deaf person, someone disabled, Jesus healed them. When the Pharisees came and asked some tough questions, Jesus stumped the Pharisees. When the winds and the storms arose, Jesus spoke and he calmed the storms. In fact, he even walked on top of the water. And so you took great comfort in the fact that I've got Jesus. It doesn't matter how crazy things get, Jesus will take care of the situation that we are in. And yet now, Jesus has just told you, His disciples, He's leaving. If I were a disciple there, I would have been shocked. And I would have stood up and said, wait, wait, what, you're leaving? You just told me that the Pharisees have rejected you and they're going to reject us. That the Jews are going to kick us out of the Jewish synagogues. That they will even kill us and think that they're honoring and serving God as they put us to death. And now you say you're leaving us? You can't leave us now. This is when we need you the most. But again, Jesus said in verse 5, But now I go away to Him who sent me. And none of you ask me, Where are you going? 
Verse 6, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So Jesus recognized that the disciples were filled with sorrow as he said this. But he continues in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus declared that it was better for the disciples that Jesus leave them. Because if he leaves them, he would then send the Holy Spirit, the Helper, to them. And Jesus says, it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit with you and in you than it is for me to be physically with you. I've had people say to me before, I just, I just wish Jesus was still walking on this earth so that we could just follow him and see him and witness him and talk with him. And that would be amazing. That would be so cool. And yet, what Jesus said for the disciples is still true for you and I. Jesus said that it's better that he leave so that you and I can have the Holy Spirit. And that's the next point. In this life, it is better for us to have the Holy Spirit in us than to have Jesus physically with us. Now I ask you, do you believe that? I mean, I know Jesus said it. I know it's right there in your Bibles, but do you really believe that? Do you believe that it is better to have the Holy Spirit in you than to have Jesus physically with you in this life? Because if you don't believe that, then you don't quite see the significance and the importance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Once we understand how essential the Holy Spirit is, once we understand what Jesus is telling us, that it's better this way, then we're ready to continue our study and look at the three different relationships that you and I can have with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit can be with us, in us, or upon us. And we're going to break that up and look at that now. The first relationship we can have is the Holy Spirit with us. Go ahead and turn to the left to John chapter 14. John 14, 16 and 17. Jesus is again speaking to his disciples here. He says in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Obviously, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, the Helper. And here in John 14, Jesus says to his disciples, Right now, the Holy Spirit, he is with you, but he will be in you. And that's the key section that I want us to focus on. Those two prepositions, with and in. Jesus speaks of a future time for the disciples where the Holy Spirit would no longer be just with them, but He would be actually in them, inside of them. You see, the Holy Spirit is with everyone because the Holy Spirit, His ministry, is to witness to the world of Jesus. Your next point, when the Holy Spirit is with us, He convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And that point is taken straight from John 16, verse 8. We're not going to turn there, but I encourage you to write that down. Look it up later because Jesus says some more things about the Holy Spirit and His ministry there. But He, the Holy Spirit, He convicts us of our 
sin. You see, before you and I were saved, it was the Holy Spirit with us that was showing us, revealing to us our sin, showing to us our need for a Savior, introducing us to Jesus, our Savior, and His gift of salvation. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit with us, drawing non-believers to come to know Jesus, to realize their need to get saved. The next relationship that we can have with the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit in us. And we read about that in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. You can turn there now. John chapter 20. Now this passage we pick up, Jesus has already been crucified, buried, and resurrected. But he's not yet ascended. In fact, this passage in John chapter 20, picking up in verse 19, this is actually the same day that Jesus has come back to life, his resurrection. And he's going to appear to the disciples in verse 19. It says, Then, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, here Jesus breathes on the disciples and he tells them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is when the Holy Spirit is no longer just with the disciples, but he comes in to the disciples, coming inside of them. The Holy Spirit, your next point, the Holy Spirit is in all Christians, sealed for the day of salvation. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us. He seals us for the day of salvation. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In Him, Jesus, you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Everybody who has put their faith in Jesus has been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now dwelling inside of us. That's why Corinthians calls us the temples of God or the temples of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives, dwells inside of us once you've put your faith in Jesus, sealing us as his church, as His people. Finally now, we look at the Holy Spirit being upon us in Acts chapters 1 and 2. We're not going to read the whole chapters, but we're going to look at a few verses in Acts chapter 1. So turn to the right in your Bibles. This is after Jesus' resurrection again. A few days or weeks later than John chapter 20, this is right before He ascends up into heaven. Look at Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? You see, they were, they were excited for him to establish his throne right then and there. 
But Jesus says in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. Verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus, speaking to His disciples, He's about to ascend up into heaven and to leave them. You may recall Matthew 28, 18-20, the Great Commission, where Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have taught you. The disciples were to be sent out to go out and be His witness to the world. And yet here in Acts chapter 1, Jesus again says, You're going to be my witnesses to the world. But don't go yet. Wait Wait in Jerusalem until you've received the Holy Spirit, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now after this, Jesus ascends up into heaven, and the disciples just kind of stare, and they look, and they watch, and He disappears, and they just keep looking. And then the angels say, What are we doing, guys? What are we doing? What did he tell you to do? Okay, go back and wait. All right, let's, let's do that. And so they go. And they wait. And now we skip ahead to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This is about ten days later after the ascension of Jesus. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So it says, as the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what Jesus said would happen to them, Soon, right before he ascended, they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is what happens. They're filled with the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is no longer just with them or in them, but upon them. We can think of a a glass cup next to a pitcher of water. A pitcher of water. The water is with the cup. And then you can pour some water into the cup and now the water is in the cup. And if you keep pouring, the water is going to fill up and it's going to overflow And now the water is going to be upon the cup. No longer just with and in the cup, but even flowing from the cup to go fill up whatever vessels it can find as the water seeps out. And that's the idea with the Holy Spirit for you and I. He can be with us, in us, or upon us, overflowing from us. And as we read about this here with the disciples, it says they began to speak in other languages. This is the gift of tongues. Just one of the many different spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit will give to some of his people. We're not going to get into the spiritual gifts, but I do want to be clear, the gift of tongues is not the sign that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's not the sign because Paul is very clear in Corinthians that not everybody speaks in tongues. Not all Christians have the same gifts from the Holy Spirit, but that's for another time. Today I want to focus on the fact that the Holy Spirit comes upon all Christians who ask and receive him. That's your next point. The Holy Spirit comes upon all Christians who ask and receive Him. Now I point that out because it is possible to be a Christian 
to be saved. You're going to heaven. The Holy Spirit is in you. You're sealed for the day of salvation, but you don't have the Holy Spirit upon you. The Holy Spirit's not flowing out of your innermost being. And that's what happens here to the disciples. Now, before we talk about, well, how, how do we get this? How do we get the Holy Spirit upon us? How do we get those rivers of living water flowing from our hearts? I want to look at this next section of why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, in Acts, looking back at chapter 1, verse 4, that's the verse we started with, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. You see, Jesus had given the disciples a job to do, to be his witnesses, to testify to the world of who he is. But he told them to wait, because when God commands you and I to do something, he doesn't say, well, good luck. You couldn't save yourself, so I saved you, but now I'm going to give you jobs to do that you have no power to do. No, that's not the Lord that we, save, that we serve. You see, God, by his grace, he saves us. We couldn't save ourselves. But even in his grace, he wants to use you and I, broken as we are, sinners as we are. And in his grace, he says, I have a job for you. I want to use you for my kingdom, for my name. But he doesn't make us do that in our own strength. He empowers us to do what he called us to do. Your next point, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to be witnesses for Jesus. The one who empowers us to accomplish whatever Jesus has called us to individually and corporately as the body of Christ to do. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is one big story of the Holy Spirit empowering His church to accomplish what God has called them to do. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit empowered Peter to preach the gospel to the multitudes there. And 3,000 of them get saved in that one day. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples are really nervous and hesitant because they're being persecuted for their faith. And so they pray, Lord, we need to be empowered by you. We need you to fill us with boldness so that we can continue to do this. And the Holy Spirit empowers them again to be bold and to speak the truth in the face of adversity. In Acts chapter 5, the Holy Spirit purifies the church by empowering Peter to know what's in the heart of Ananias and Sapphira. And the Holy Spirit purifies that church before it gets corrupted so soon and so early in deceit and sin and focusing on the praises of men instead of the praises of God. In Acts chapter 7, the Holy Spirit empowers Stephen, the first martyr, as he preaches the gospel even as they stone him to death. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered Stephen to be that witness and testimony even to his last breath. That is why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you and I can testify of Jesus, so that you and I can be empowered to be His witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now the next section, how? How do we receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit? In the book of Acts, we read about six different times where groups of people are baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And no two of them are exactly the same. There's one time where the Holy Spirit comes upon a group of people at the same moment they're hearing the gospel. And as they hear what Jesus has done for them and saved them from their sin, they believe and in that same instant they are filled 
with the Holy Spirit in them and upon them, and they begin to speak out in tongues. And Peter's amazed at what he sees. There's other times where there's Christians who do not yet know of the Holy Spirit. They're saved, but they don't have the Holy Spirit upon them. And they're baptized later than their day of salvation. The, the, the Holy Spirit finally coming upon them in power. And still more interesting than that is what I mentioned in Acts chapter 4, where two of the disciples, they were arrested and they were beaten by the Pharisees because they were there in the temple preaching about Jesus. And the Pharisees, they said, I thought we killed this guy already. Why is he still an issue? And so they took the disciples and they beat him up and they said, stop it. No more teaching about Jesus. He's dead. We're done with him. Well, the disciples, they went home to the rest of the disciples and they said, look, Jesus commanded us to be his witnesses. God has told us what we must do. No matter who tells us we're not allowed to, we need to obey God. And so they prayed and they said, Lord, help us. Help us to do what you've called us to do in the face of persecution. And we read in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, these are the same disciples that were there on the day of Pentecost. The same ones who were filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit before, and yet here two chapters later, they are once again filled again. This shows us that being filled with the Spirit is not a one-time thing. You might say that the Holy Spirit can fill us and come upon us, but we leak and we need to get refilled. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, or be filled with the Spirit. In the Greek, the terminology there is literally be being filled, or be constantly filled with the Spirit. It's something that we need to continually do. Have the Holy Spirit come upon us. I point that out because today I'm not interested in the, the, the details of, well, does the Holy Spirit always come upon us the day that we're saved or, or not? I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit in the past. Because what about today? Today, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, we need those rivers of living water flowing from our hearts out to those lives that are around us. You see, are we trying to follow <clears throat> Jesus and witness of Jesus in our own strength, our own abilities? Recognizing God wants me to live for Him and be His witness. So now I'm going to go do that in my own strength. Or do we recognize the calling of God and also recognize the empowerment of God, His Holy Spirit? There's a key difference there. And if we recognize the calling of God, but we miss out on the empowerment of God, and we're trying to do it in our own strength, we are going to be burdened. We're going to be a church that feels beaten up and wiped out. We're going to be spread thin. Too much bread and not enough butter. We're going to be wiped out. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh, to empower us to be who Jesus has called us to be. Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, 
How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, we receive the Holy Spirit upon us by simply asking. Asking for the Lord to fill us afresh. Seeking His empowerment. And He will fill us. It's a promise that, that Jesus gives us. We know it's God's will for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so why not ask in faith today and every day, Lord, would you please fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit? You see, some have taught this idea of, well, it's the Holy Spirit. And if you want more of the Holy Spirit, you need to act holy. You need to fix your life. And I say, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible tells us that we're saved by grace. We could never earn it. We never deserve it. And so too with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can never earn it and we can never deserve it. But it is a gift that is too great to ignore. A gift that is too great to live this Christian life without. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you believe Jesus' words where He said, it's better for me that I leave so that you can then have the Holy Spirit to empower you to be who we are called to be. You remember the start of today's study. Jesus' words back in John chapter 7, verse 38, He stands there during the Feast of Tabernacles and He cries out, He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said, out of His heart will flow rivers of living water. Notice that Jesus says, rivers, plural. You see, the idea here is not that the Holy Spirit comes upon us and there's a, a nice peaceful trickle of living water. No, it's the Niagara Falls of living water that flows in torrents and gushes out of our hearts, out of our innermost being, out of our lives. So that as we live this life, we go to work, we live among our family, we hang out with our friends, <clears throat> we visit with our neighbors. In the midst of all of that, the Holy Spirit is gushing out of us the love of Jesus, the love of Christ. And as people interact with us, they get splashed with those living waters, the Holy Spirit, and they say, man, I think I'm missing something. The Holy Spirit awakens that thirst, the spiritual thirst in their own heart to recognize, I need to get saved. I need to come to Jesus and drink of Him, just like Jared has, just like Open Gate has. I need what they have. I need Jesus. I need to come and drink of Him and I need the Holy Spirit upon us. What about you today? Are you seeking Jesus? Great. Are you seeking His power? Even better. We want to seek Him to be in a relationship with Him, but we also want to seek Him to say, Lord, today... I don't feel so strong. I don't feel so great. I don't feel like I can do this Christian walk and life that you've called me to do. It's too much for me. And that's a healthy place to be in, because it is. And if I can be honest with you, just about every time I get up here to teach the Word, I ask, what am I doing? I can't do this. I'm not able. I'm not worthy. I don't have good enough words to teach the Word of God. But that's the place of humility and truth that we need to be in as believers so that we can then look to Jesus and say, Lord, would you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit?
Not because I'm worthy, but Lord, because you are good. And the last point I want us to touch on, God's blessings are not just for us. They're never meant to stop with us. His blessings are to flow through us. And so when we pray, Lord, would you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit? May it not be just for me, but Lord, may it be for those around me so that you can flow through my life into those around me and show them your love, show them your grace, and show them their need for you. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit today? Then ask. Seek Him in faith and pray. And He will fill you afresh again and again. And He will empower you to be the man or woman of God that He is calling you to be. Let's pray. Lord, we love You. And we thank You that Your gifts are out of Your grace. And we thank You that You knew what's best for us. Even better than You walking among us in person physically is is for You to go ascend up into heaven and for You to send the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can not just seal us for the day of salvation, mark us as believers, but come upon us in power so that we can be Your hands and Your feet, so that we can represent You, so that we can testify of You. And Lord, for us, as Open Gate, as, as we're watching this online, Lord, we want to be filled afresh with Your Holy Spirit. And so right now, Lord, even as we take this next breath, we just ask, Lord, would You fill us afresh with Your Holy Spirit? Would You baptize us in power so that we can be the believers in Christ that You've called us to be? So that we can be the witnesses You've called us to be? So that those around us will see You, Jesus, instead of seeing only us. Lord, we thank You that You have poured out Your Spirit by Your grace. May we be a church that constantly looks to You for Your power, Your Spirit, for Your grace. And Lord, may You use us for Your glory and for Your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's close with a worship song.